The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Business is a competition. There are winners and losers. There's always someone trying to take your business away. And in business, just like sports, there are players, there are coaches, and there is a scoreboard. Welcome to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Whether you're a manager, executive, business owner, salesperson, or entrepreneur, The Business Locker Room is a show that will create content and conversations that will help you improve your business. Now, let's join your host, Kelly Riggs. And great to have you with us. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. It's a show where we discuss practical business tools and ideas that you can use. Hopefully, you're going to get some of those today. We talk management, leadership, sales, marketing, business startups, much, much more. This show is all about finding great guests like the ones we'll have today and creating compelling conversations, leaving you with content you can take back to the field, to the office, to your business, and you can do something with immediately. Great to have you on board. I am Kelly Riggs. I'm your host. You can find me online. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. And when you're talking about the show, use the hashtag BizLockerRoom. Send me an email, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. Thanks for your notes and messages. Lots of feedback, lots of response. Great to hear from you out there and certainly want to encourage you to talk to us about guest opportunities, uh, subjects, topics that you'd like for us to take a look at. And you can do that by sending me a message at kelly at bizlockerroom.com. And of course, uh, that uh, leads me into talking to you about the website. It's a website where you can always keep up with the show, preview our upcoming guests, download past episodes. You can find all of that at bizlockerroom.com. We have got a fantastic show on tap for you. And I'm fresh back from the islands, uh, the islands of Hawaii. Went uh, over to Hawaii this past week uh, to work with a client over there and, of course, enjoyed the uh, sunshine. It was absolutely fantastic. Travel, on the other hand, that's a challenge. You're coming in and out of time zones, uh, get jet lag. We need to find a guest that can come on board and talk to us about how to deal with jet lag issues. But uh, it was a fantastic time over there and great to be back in the chair. Uh, Thanks to uh, Michael Circuit on the other side of the glass, engineer for our show today. He'll be taking care of us, make sure we sound good. Miles Austin will join us uh, here in a bit at Miles Austin on Twitter. And of course, his blog, Fill the Funnel. And you want to make sure you're a regular reader of his stuff. We'll talk X's and O's with Miles. A lot of good things uh, that we have covered already in getting the show started. This is episode number four, and it's about presenting the right things. And uh, in this particular case with Miles Austin, we're going to talk about Skype. Yeah, I, I know. Don't, don't, don't hang up. Don't go away. Skype is uh, not, your, not your mom's old Skype. 2003, I believe it was, that Skype got started. And Miles will fill us in on some of the details. But so many things happening in that world. And as a matter of fact, 
saw a blog cross my desk today from PC World uh, that mentioned uh, this very subject. Watch out Google Hangouts. Skype rolls out free group video calling. A lot of good things to talk about with Miles, and he'll certainly fill us in on all the details. Bottom of the hour, we'll have Jack Malcolm. And if you're in sales, if you're in the selling profession, you want to make sure you hang on. Jack is absolutely fantastic. Wrote a couple of great books. Bottom Line Selling, The Sales Professional's Guide to Improving Profits. And his most recent book, 2012, it was published, Strategic Sales Presentations. Absolutely phenomenal. Must read if you're in the world of sales. If that is your chosen profession, you have to have a copy of that book and you have to digest it. Listen to Jack at the bottom of the hour and he'll tell you exactly why. Absolutely fantastic read, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, We're going to learn a lot today about uh, presentations and how to make them better as you go along in your career. A couple of articles that crossed my desk this week, um, actually one I've had for a while, but, but one I read just this past week called The Insatiable Desire to Control by Mary Jo Asmus. Uh, really interesting read. It's talking about managers, leadership, and it, it, it starts off with this. It's mythical and alluring, that thing that you may secretly desire. It surfaces slowly and silently unseen, unheard, often unrecognized. It hides within the facade of your ego, growing larger with time while blinding you to its presence. And she's talking about control and the desire to control. And she, and she talks about four very specific things. So recognize the signs of your need to control as it surfaces. In, in my work with organizations, it's, it's almost a given that any entrepreneur that starts an enterprise, starts some sort of business, does so in the beginning with control of everything. And it, many times that's what makes the entrepreneur successful. It's what makes them good at what they do because they have that ability to control multiple things or seemingly to have that perception of controlling multiple things at once. But they, they can take care of sales and operations and details. And, and really they function, I like to say they function as a self-limiting team of one. It's one person with some very capable assistance, but make no mistake – uh, the entrepreneur is typically a driver, and that driver is typically in charge of everything. And the challenge becomes you can only handle so much as an entrepreneur. And so you get to a certain point where you need the organization to develop. You need additional leadership. You need additional processes. You, you, you need a lot of things that will cause and allow actually allow the the enterprise to continue to grow. And it's one of the biggest challenges that we see in organizational development and then training and working with leaders is, is it's very difficult to let things go. She says, recognize the signs of your need to control as it surfaces. Number one, perfectionism. Perfectionism is what and how you expect others to do the work. You're very explicit in your directions. You chastise employees for mistakes. Don't allow deviance from the way things must be done. And she says, note, this is most often your way. The old adage is, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Unfortunately, that is the control manager's mantra because they typically do not think that other people can do it as well as they can. And so it creates, it creates challenges internally because you certainly cannot grow and develop and empower employees 
if you don't allow them to make mistakes and allow them to fail. And therein lies the issue. Many people are micromanagers simply because they have a fear in, in letting go and allowing others to make mistakes, to make decisions, it, which, which is not altogether unusual since it typically with an entrepreneur, it's their money. You know, they've, they've started the business, they own the business, they run the business, and they are responsible for 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 employees. They take that responsibility very seriously. But there's, a, there's this very insidious problem at work, invisibly, uh, that is keeping the organization from de- developing as it should. And, you know, while entrepreneurs want to be perfect, they want things to go the right way, typically it will create problems for developing leaders. Here's, here's another thing she mentions, conformance among your employees, asking your employees to conform. Nobody dares to stray from, quote, the way things are done according to you. You keep telling them to be creative while expecting them to do exactly as you've instructed. Creative Creativity, rather, is killed, and you're rising frustration and impatience with those who, quote, don't get it, only make things worse. You know, it's nice having been one of those control guys uh, that you can recognize these things. It, it, it's seemingly, it's very difficult for controlled people to recognize in themselves what they're doing. And I certainly would have fallen into that group as well. You know, it, what oftentimes the strength that makes you very good at what you do is also the weakness that keeps you from being as good as you possibly can be. And when you've worked hard to get things to where they are by doing the way things the way they've always been done, it's very difficult when people start suggesting perhaps you should do it differently. Here's another sign uh, that you can recognize your need to control silence when you ask for input on how work should be done. She goes on to say, honestly, why should they bother? Whenever your employees suggested trying something different, your need to invoke control showed in your resistance. So now you hear nothing from them, which further, coincidentally, fuels your frustrations with people's lack of creativity and innovation. But unfortunately, it is you, the leader, that is often killing those things. The last thing is churn, turnover. As your best and brightest, leave the organization for places where they can learn, grow, and use their talents. You know, these are, these are challenges that come up consistently in our work with different organizations. And it's re- it really is something that if there's an awareness that develops that these things are going on, and typically that's what happens is there's either awareness in the results, the lack of results, or there is an awareness in the, in the great amount of stress that a particular leader has to endure as they go along. It creates enormous amount of challenges for them. And so they wind up uh, calling and asking for help from someone, someone like me or someone who is in the business of organizational development. And it, it, uh, it, it puts so much emphasis, even in small business, to make sure that you understand the concepts of leadership. Peter Drucker is famous for having said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And he's not saying that strategy is not important. In fact, quite the opposite. But what he is saying is that you can have the best possible strategy for your business and a weak culture, a, a resistant culture, or a disengaged culture makes it very difficult for you to implement and execute at the level that you would like to do so. And culture is always reflective of leadership, always. You can go into any, any place of business, go to, your, go to your restaurant to have a meal. And if you get bad service, you can rest assured that it is not the wait staff's fault. 
it is a general manager's fault because I can promise you if they wanted you to have good service, you would have good service. So they're focused on other things. It could be costs. It could be um, any number of things in the back end of the operation. But when customer service is paramount to the leader, culture will reflect that because that's the expectation and the accountability that's created. And people will conform to that as, as they understand it. And, and therein lies the biggest mistake often that, that managers make, and that is that they fail to define and, and actually live themselves, live that culture. They fail to define it intentionally. They fail to focus on a very specific set of cultural values. And I, and I say that, because, and, and I know it sounds like a contradiction, and in many ways it is, because, yeah, they are focusing on cultural values. It's just the wrong ones. It's, it's, I'm going to be the culture, I will do everything, I will make all of the decisions, whereas they should be rolling out a strategy that enables people to be empowered and to, and to see the vision that the company is about and so forth and so on. Most entrepreneurs, frankly, don't find the time, don't have the time in their minds to do those kinds of things. It reminds me of, of the other article that I was reviewing again this week, leading in the 21st century, an interview with Alan Mulally. And he was talking about the changeover at Ford and the things that he was able to accomplish at Ford. And he said, at the heart of our culture is the one Ford plan, which is essentially our vision for the organization and its mission. In a company of multi-billions of dollars in in sales revenue, uh, it's absolutely critical that a vision and a very clear understanding of the mission exist in the mind's of those people that are a part of the organization, and many times that doesn't happen. Not not intentional about culture. Unfortunately, your desire to control is going to overwhelm the culture, and and you're going to see it in the people that work for you. Well, we'll we'll explore more uh, about leadership and organizational development in, in future shows. In fact, I have a tremendous lineup of leaders coming down the road. Uh, one that I'm looking forward to in a couple of weeks, a gentleman by the name of Dave Brock on Monday, May the 12th. You want to make sure you mark your calendar. Both Dave Brock and another guest, Dave Burkus, will join us. Dave Burkus has written a book called The Myths of Creativity. And Dave, <clears throat> pardon me, Dave Brock is the president and CEO of Partners in Excellence, widely recognized as uh, very strong in leadership category. And we're going to talk more about this particular topic, this subject, as we move along. You're listening to the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. And Miles Austin is going to join us. We're going to talk about Skype. Don't run off. A lot of information about Skype you're going to want to hear. Stay with us. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Business Locker Room, the show where we discuss practical tools and ideas for all types of business people, managers, leaders, salespeople, marketing, business development, entrepreneurs, you name it. Great conversations, powerful content that you can use today, each and every Monday, 3 p.m. Central, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern. Want to make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Kelly Riggs. And of course, when you're talking about the show, use the hashtag Biz Locker Room. Great to have you with us. As we welcome in Miles Austin of FillTheFunnel.com. Miles, great to have you on board. Hello, Kelly. Glad to be here. We are, you know, when you first approached me about talking about Skype, I think <laughs> you may have maybe been taken aback a little bit by my reaction because this is a tool that's been around a long time. And I, my first thought is, Miles, we're doing cutting edge tools here. You know, this is the show where we bring people things that they're not aware of. And yet, yeah, you you won me over. There's a lot of things happening. In fact, just today, a blog post uh, from PC World, Watch Out Google Hangout, Skype, rolls out free group video calling. There is a lot happening in the world of Skype today, is there not? There really is, Kelly, and, and very honestly, your reaction of, of huh, uh, Skype? Was, was really not a surprise because it, it is, it, it, I call it the grandfather of all of our web tools. This thing was started back in 2003, and I think most of us, at least everyone that I knew, was using Skype for one purpose, and that was to eliminate, remember these, long-distance phone charges. Back in the day when every call you made outside of your calling area had a long-distance charge to it, and it was a way to circumvent that. Wow. And it has been around, what, since 2003? Is that what you said? Since 2003, absolutely. So 12 years. And, and yet, as we were looking at some of the statistics, by the way, you want to jump on fillthefunnel.com. Miles wrote a blog post today to mirror the show, and he talks a lot about Skype. It's entitled, Don't Forget Your Old Tech Tools. Skype is alive and well. And you quote a statistic in your post, 214 billion minutes of phone calls on Skype this past year. I I was trying to do some math on that. That's north of 580 million minutes every single day. Uh, It it is mind-boggling. In fact, I'm glad you could do the math. My calculator didn't have that many zeros on it, very honestly. But uh, it is is amazing. And I think what's happening, and and the, the post that you just referenced that you saw this morning is one of the things that's happening. If you think back just a few years, every conversation you had, unless it was face-to-face, was on a phone. It was a phone call. It was audio. It was voice only. But literally in the last two to three years with the emergence of much faster 
uh, internet connections and, and tools like iPads and tablets and smartphones, we now have the ability with any connected device you have to have a true face-to-face, video-to-video communication. And that's changing the entire landscape of business communication. Well, the reality is in 2003 and in the few years shortly after that, broadband capabilities were nowhere where they are today. And I think perhaps many people may have suffered through dropped calls or, you know, when you're talking about a voice over internet protocol, it very much is dependent on that broadband connection. And back in the day, 12, 13 years ago, those may not have been all that fantastic. So people may have been sold on the potential benefits, but not really experienced those benefits. Would, would that be fair? 100% accurate. In fact, uh, the same change and the same challenge to adoption has happened with the video capabilities. Uh, just two years ago, most people, at least in the U.S., in a home or home office environment uh, or in an office environment with things like T1, when you have 50 or 100 people sharing an internet connection in an office setting, there was just not enough bandwidth to conduct those calls. Whereas today, just a cellular network gives you the ability to have a live video conference going on with people truly on a worldwide basis. No doubt about it. In fact, I'd like for you to share with the people that are listening that story you told me about hooking up with someone just in the past day or two uh, in in a video conference with someone who was using either a 4G or an LTE network of some kind. Yeah, you know, it was really, Kelly, um, it was really the stimulus to go back and kind of dust off my skills and remember my login and password very honestly into Skype. And I had an opportunity. We're doing some work with an international client on some coaching um, in the sales arena, and their base is over in Europe. And they have three different people that were going to be on this call in three different physical locations all outside the U.S. and me. And one of the executives, the lead exec, said, uh, and asked me, Miles, on this next call, due to our schedules, would you mind using Skype as the way to conduct this next session? And I said, you know, I'd love to do it. I haven't done it for a while, but you bet. Uh, we'll we'll take advantage of everything that we can. And so we did that. We got the call scheduled, and and we're all there were all four of us on video feed. Okay, so just picture this. And, and we're having a great conversation. It's interactive. We're seeing the reactions and the faces of each other. And uh, during about 10 minutes into the call, I, something caught my eye and I started, I kind of lost focus of the conversation and I started watching the video screen from, from this key lead executive. And I realized she was moving and I watched a little bit longer and I, all of a sudden it dawned on me, she is outside walking what appeared to be a sidewalk while we're having this international video call with three other people. And little time went on, and I asked her, come to find out later, she was walking. She was concerned about being late to her next meeting, um, that she was going to have lunch or coffee or something. And she was literally on this call walking to her next destination, and she didn't skip a beat all on a cellular connection from her phone. It was an Android phone because I asked. I was curious what she was using. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing when you think about the ability to do video. I, I just a few years ago on a connection like that would have been absolutely impossible, or certainly would have been frustrating at the very least. Miles Austin joining us. We talk X's and O's in the business locker room, talking about Skype. And uh, full disclosure, both Miles and myself are connected with the Voice America Studio today via Skype, as we always are. And so we 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 use it, but I, I'm not sure, Miles, that we 
really understand as business people and salespeople the full potential of the tool. Give us some insight as to perhaps a use or two that would really make it a very useful tool for, for people that have sort of casually discarded it in the past. Sure. Well, and I think all of us in business, uh, you mentioned the jet lag challenge of you coming back from Hawaii. Uh, Skype's not going to prevent you or give you the need not to go to Hawaii because we always want that opportunity. But in any kind of a business situation, there typically, I found it a lot in sales, I'd get that meeting, I'd go into a conference room or a board room uh, of a client, and almost in every case, one of the key decision makers for some reason was not able to be there. They were out of town. Uh, they might have been homesick, whatever it might have been. This gives you the ability to connect with people, to participate in a group or a collaborative effort at any time, any place they are from any location. Um, one of the things that I found, just to give you a kind of to build on that, Kelly, one of the things that I think all of us struggle with, with all this explosion of technology, um, most of us have multiple screens open. Or if we're just on an iPhone or a, a smartphone, we have multiple apps going. One of the really big advantages I've kind of been reminded of getting back to using Skype in preparation for the book, uh, the ebook the e that we just published was, we have so many screens, it just gets frustrating to manage. And with Skype, you now have the ability to take three or four or five different applications or tools or apps and literally do all of those functions within one tab, one app, or one screen. So as an example, I can start a conference call. We can be having a conversation, and all of a sudden, maybe in, in this conversation, I need to grab one of my vendors or one of my business partners who maybe is in another town or another state or another country. I can literally connect and dial that person in, even if they're just on a cell phone, and connect them to the conversation. If all of a sudden I have a need to send a private note to maybe one of my peers and say, by the way, don't forget to ask this key question that is private and messaged only to that individual, Skype gives me that ability to send that little private chat or text message. I can share my screen. So if I want to show or demonstrate a product or maybe design or development work, I can literally show my screen to them. And the thing that I used to use um, even several years ago that really has been enhanced, and now with what you just read earlier, um, you can now do this with video, is I used to manage a disparate sales team, literally spread out all over the country from coast to coast. And I had to get my regional management team together every Monday morning and kind of just, you know, kind of gather them together, kind of make sure we all knew our marching orders. And we had to do it on a phone. And because of the way that we were structured at that time, um, we had people that were for every scenario just couldn't make that call. And it was very disruptive, very honestly, and very frustrating as a leader of a team of people. You now have that ability, either voice or now with video, to get that conference. You create a group of people that are your, and your ongoing participants. In my case, it would have been all of my regional managers around the country. I create a group. I can click one button, start that call, they can click that same button and boom, we're in a conference call. And now with video, you have an ability to see each other, make sure they're not sitting in their, uh, in their bunny slippers at home. <laughs> you have an opportunity to share files with each other, maybe new PowerPoints you want to discuss. You can share your screen. Um, 
it's all there in front of you, and it's all within one app, which I think is very powerful. Yeah, it is, it is an absolutely amazing story when you consider that you can be on your phone on Skype, you can be on your iPad or your tablet on Skype, or you can be at your desktop or your laptop, all of those platforms in a single app. Folks, if you want to know how to use Skype well, Miles is the place to go. Go to fillthefunnel.com. And he has just released a brand new ebook. It's absolutely free. It's called Skype Jumpstart Guide for Business. And if this sounds like a tool that you can use for yourself, that's the place to go to get on board. Make sure you follow Miles as well at Miles Austin. And uh, of course, every week here on the X's Nose segment of the Business Locker Room, we talk different types of online tools. And this this tool, Miles, I, I think is really fabulous. And it's one that we typically do overlook. There's the ease of the phone call, but now with video and all of these other things, I've got to suspect, as, as we have just about uh, a half a minute left here, it, it does not bode well for the go-to-meeting type of platforms, and those have been staples in the business world, but now you've got this freeware that works just as well. Well, you're right, and I think go-to-meeting is a great example. I've used it for years. It came out in 2006. It also is using very old technology uh, called Thin Client. The difference is is that Skype has been moving forward with technology and advancing rapidly, whereas your GoToMeeting account is using the exact same technology that it started with in 2006. Absolutely fantastic. He's Miles Austin. He joins us every week here in the business locker room talking X's and O's. Thanks, Miles. Great to have you on board. We're going to take a short time out, and when we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Jack Malcolm. He's the author of Strategic Sales Presentations. If you're in the business of selling, you don't want to go away. Stay with us. This is the business locker room on Voice America. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Coming. Uh, of course, uh, we've got Jack Malcolm teed up, and we're getting ready to have a conversation with him. I want to remind you, next week, Sean Copeland, 
Very good friend of mine, Sean Copeland, President and CEO of Regent Bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Also a very, very successful author and has just released a new book that uh, we want to talk about as well. But he has such an uh, an incredible insight into entrepreneurial ventures and starting new businesses. And uh, he has got so much to share. It's it's an absolutely must-listen, as I'm finding so many of these shows are with so much great contact, but make sure content rather. But make sure you join us next week. It's every Monday, 3 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Pacific, and 4 p.m. Eastern. Jack Malcolm is our guest. He's a, an author. He's written a couple of books: "Bottom Line Selling: The Sales Professional's Guide to Improving Profits," and uh, one that I'm really, really big on. Uh, Jack, strategic sales presentations. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Thank you, Kelly. It's great to be on. You know, you're you're a guy that uh, has has been in the sale world for many many years now, and you you have a broad background of experience. You've worked Fortune 500 types of companies and deals. I mean, you've been in very complex business to business sales, and you've sort of migrated over into a big part of what you do is teaching people how to be effective in sales presentations, which is essentially, from my perspective, where the connection is made. In fact, it's what most salespeople, Jack, live for. They love to be in front of a customer. They love to be on stage, and they think, wow, I've got the gift of gab. I am really good at this, uh, and this is this is the place that it happens. And yet, the, the sales presentation is the place where so many deals go to die. Why is that? Well, I think the number one reason is that salespeople – all have a tremendous degree of self-confidence, and that's a great thing, but it can also work against them because they don't prepare well enough. They, they walk in there thinking that they can wing it, uh, that that gift of gab is what's going to get them across, and uh, the, the minute they start getting in front of high-level executives who've heard hundreds of these, by the way, and in fact, they have their own pet peeves as to what they like to hear and what they like to see, but the minute they get in front of them, uh, they're going to be hit with questions that they have not, they will not be ready for unless they've actually prepared. So number one thing is don't let your confidence stand in the way of being a little bit paranoid. <laughs> it's a great, absolutely a great way to put it. Of course, then it's compounded, Jack, because in this day and age now uh, of computers, and when I first started in selling back in the early 80s, we, did, we didn't have these kinds of, of tools. Now we've got Keynote and PowerPoint and other yeah. types of presentation stu- tools, and, and so we take those and we just make it worse. Absolutely. Everybody thinks that it's about the tool. And, you know, it, it's funny, uh, guys like Winston Churchill and Martin Luther King were able to get their messages across without PowerPoint. And, and I'm not just picking on PowerPoint, but the tools themselves are helpful to organize your material, helpful to get some of the visuals across when you need them, but they really need to come last, and, and I think that's the, the major problem. It's still all about people looking at each other in the eye and talking to each other and convincing and speaking credibly. We're talking with Jack Malcolm. He's the author of Strategic Sales Presentations. And I think you really hit on something there that's very critical. We forget that a presentation is not really a one-sided venture. It's intended to be an opportunity to connect with a customer. And so many times, if the preparation is not there, the good discovery questions are not prepared, and if we use 
PowerPoint as an example as a crutch, and it could be anything. It could be, you know, it could be all kinds of graphics and visuals and everything. So we're not picking on PowerPoint. It's not the tool, uh, but but it really it really creates more distance between the salesperson and the customer when what you're trying to accomplish at that particular point is a meeting of the minds. Well, absolutely. If if the presentation can do the work for you, then why are you there? All you are is a glorified projector operator at that point. <laughs> I love that. Glorified projector. In, in fact, I often ask audiences, do you have brochures? And, and everybody has a brochure, Jack. And, and I ask them, where do brochures wind up? And yeah. without hesitation, everybody in the audience will say the same thing, in the trash. And I say, well, so mm-hmm. why do you have them? And the, it, it, the reality is, it's, it's again, it's not the tool. It's the way that tool is used. Brochures can serve a good purpose, but many times it's all about the company and nothing about the customer, and the customer doesn't really care about your company yet. Exactly. And, and you also have to keep in mind that the type of sales presentations that I focus on are the high-level ones. I'm not talking about the get-acquainted presentation with purchasing, for example. I'm talking about the, the big closing ones. Maybe you've made the short list after several months of hard work. And at that point, they already know about your product. They already know how you compare to everybody else. They probably know more about your product and your competitor's product than you do. So brochures aren't going to do you a bit of good. They want to know about what are you going to do to help them in their business. Well, in your book, Strategic Sales Presentations, you talk about four recurring themes throughout the book. Jack, why don't you share that with the audience? Right. Well, the the number one recurring theme is it's not about you. I call it out outside in thinking. And just to give you a a very quick demonstration of how this works, about 10 years ago, I had to give a presentation in Auckland, New Zealand for 45 minutes, and I was one of four companies that were selected for the shortlist. And we were all told, you're going to have 45 minutes to present and 45 minutes of Q&A. Every one of my competitors did exactly what they were told in in terms of giving a 45-minute presentation. And the 45 minutes was nice PowerPoint, very well laid out, and all it did was talk about them and their capabilities. In my case, I came and actually opened the presentation with a series of questions. And in getting those questions out in the open and talking about them and confirming what their goals were, and in fact, changing their minds a little bit about what they needed to see, then I was able to give a 10-minute presentation to focus entirely on them and what I could do for them. That presentation, that 10 minutes was, A, completely different because it was outside-in thinking. B, it differentiated me from the competition. And C, it won me a contract that over the life of the contract was probably worth over a million dollars. Not bad work for 10 minutes. No, and not bad work for coming at things a little differently than the rest of the crowd. Jack Malcolm joins us. He's the author of Strategic Sales Presentations, also Bottom Line Selling, the Sales Professional's Guide to Improving Profits. You can find him on Twitter, a must-follow in my my estimation, at Jack Malcolm. Last name is M-A-L-C-O-L-M. And Jack, it, it, it reminds me as a very, very young guy, 21, uh, excuse me, at 24 years of age, one of the first sales jobs that I had, I went off to two weeks of selling school. This was a Fortune 500 company, and they send you to school for two weeks. And my boss set me down. He said, there's going to come a point in time when they're going to ask you to do a presentation in front of all your peers and all of the executives Mm -hmm. that are there. And he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. 
you know the material, you know our products and services, that's not a problem. What I want you to do is listen to the scenario, and I want you to write down the three questions that come to mind, and I want you to go up to the live role play situation with three questions, and that's all. Just go yep. up and ask your three questions and listen very carefully to what he tells you in response, and that will tell you what to sell and how to sell. And, of course, as a very young guy, I, I just you know, I hung on every word, so I did exactly what he told me. And fortunately for me, and, and there was a great deal of, of luck involved as well, I, I, I'm quite sure of, but I was able to win the best final presentation in this two-week class with some very, very good people. And it, it really came down to the fact that it just wasn't some sort of rote recitation of features and benefits. And as you mentioned, you could probably take those three people you competed against and take their PowerPoint presentations and switch logos. It was probably almost identical. Exactly. I, I have a, a little question that I like to ask in my training classes. I ask people to raise their hands, how many have kids? And most of them raise their hands. I say, how many of you love to talk about your kids? And most of them, of course, raise their hands. Then I say, how many of you love to hear other people talk about their kids? And just about every hand in the room goes down. <laughs> That's a great illustration. Yeah. Uh, you, people want to hear about... What are you going to do for me? Again, I, I keep harping on the fact that the high-level executives you're talking to, their time is more valuable than anybody else's. So if they're going to give you 10 minutes or they're going to give you 45 minutes or whatever, whatever they're going to give you, they need to get something out of it. So that really takes me to my second point, which is content is king. And what I mean by that is there's, you, you can get online and you can read the blogs and you can read the books and everybody talks about storytelling and it talks about compelling visuals and talks about all those things. And I'm absolutely 100% believer in those things. But once again, if you don't have real content, you don't have it backed up by hard data and hard facts, then all the stories in the world are only going to get you so far. So you've got to prepare, you've got to do your research on the client, and what people want to hear at that level is, how are you going to improve my profits, how are you going to improve my processes, and how are you going to solve my problems? That's three words that start with P-R-O, and if you want to be a real pro, you want to leave out the last P-R-O word until the last, and only then if you need it, and that's product. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, because... You can be a storyteller and be extremely entertaining, and people will go away liking what they hear. But if, if the content is not relevant, uh, you can find yourself without a deal and wondering what in the world happened. Yeah, and, and here's what happens is you make a presentation in front of a, a potential customer. Chances are they're not going to sign on the dotted line right there. So you can be the most compelling, most inspirational speaker in the world, and they walk out there uh, wanting to, uh, to chew nails and, and run through doors because they're all excited. And then a week later when it comes time to say, okay, what are we going to do? Guess what? All that emotion is worn off. Right. So you've, you've got to have the content. Now, I'm not saying not to have the emotion because people are going to make decisions based on logic and emotion as well, but make sure that the content is there. It's like unwrapping a beautiful package and finding out there's nothing inside. Nothing in the box. Absolutely right. Yeah. So four recurring themes, outside-in thinking, content is king, and then the last two are just as important as well, preparation and being yourself. Yeah. Preparation is key. As in the example that, that I gave you when I went down to New Zealand that time, that 45 minutes in front of the customer 
made my year and actually made probably about three or four of the next few years. Sure. So if, if you do not absolutely over-prepare, and I call it productive paranoia, is you may, you're probably not going to need all of the answers to all of the questions that you have anticipated, but you never know. And just the confidence that that gives you from having out-prepared anybody else. And you can lose deals because maybe somebody had, had a better deal or any, anything else, but there's no excuse for losing a deal because you've been out-prepared. So yeah, no question. Yeah. And then the, the fourth item is to be yourself. And when I say be yourself, I don't, I don't mean necessarily exactly the way you are talking to your friends because you do have to be at your best self. But don't turn it into a, a high-level speech where you, you start using much bigger words than you normally would or you, you try to act to, like you're a different person. Just have a conversation with people. If you've done the preparation, you're talking about things that are important to them, I don't care how important those people are and how much they're going to dictate your economic future, you can, you can interact with them on a peer-to-peer level. And so as long as you're genuine and you're being yourself, then people are going to react to that. It is such a problem, Jack, uh, you know, especially in acronym-heavy industries mm-hmm. where you can throw around lots of abbreviations and numbers and ideas, that, you know, and it makes you sound like you really know what you're talking about. It's, it's so much of a trap because the client is uncomfortable, but they're not willing to tell you they don't understand all of those things and they don't really know where you're coming from. Jack Malcolm is our guest. He is, again, the author of Strategic Sales Presentations. You can find him online at jackmalcolm.com. And you want to make sure you look up his blog and become a follower of the blog and follow him on Twitter as well at jackmalcolm.com. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jack. And we'll talk about team presentations and some of the dynamics that are involved in complex sales. This is the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. Stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
back in the business locker room. Great to have you on board. We're talking with Jack Malcolm. Want to make sure that you find him online and look at all of the various things that he has. But I tell you what, folks, if you're in the world of sales and you don't own the book Strategic Sales Presentations, you're, you're making a critical mistake. Thank you for joining us. We have got uh, great shows lined up, and it seems like every week it just gets better and better as, as we continue along in the business locker room. Find us online at bizlockerroom.com. Jack, the, uh, the, there's so much at stake in, in a team-based presentation. Many times these are uh, complex sales. There's a lot of dollars at stake. The competition is stiff, and, and I think that people – you know, they put a lot of time and effort in preparation. You've already talked about a couple of pretty obvious mistakes that people can make, but how do you make those those really challenging, complex presentations where you've got a large audience? How do you how do you make those go go well, go better? Well, when you're talking about a team presentation, I assume you mean that you, as a presenter, have several people from your team who who will all be pitching in. Is that correct? You bet, and then you've got several people on the other side you're trying to address. Absolutely. Well, the first thing is to keep in mind that there is a difference between a team presentation and a group presentation. A group presentation is just a bunch of individual presentations strung together. And the, the problem that you can run into with that is that people will say things that contradict each other. Inevitably, you have somebody that takes way too much time to explain their part because everybody in there thinks that their part is the most important part of it. So a team presentation has one common theme and it can be written by all of the individuals or prepared by all of the individuals, but one person is in charge of what goes in and what what is spoken when. And it definitely has to be rehearsed. If you're going to be at the level where you've got that many people involved in it, the opportunities for screwing up just multiply exponentially. So you've got to practice and you've got to make sure that you're doing it as a team presentation. As far as presenting to a varied audience, you've you've got to sit down and figure out, okay, well, I have so many different points of view in the audience, which are the ones that I attack? And that's where you go into your own strategic planning for the sale itself outside of the presentation and and say, who's the principal decision maker in there and who are the key influencers? Those are the people that you need to be talking to. What happens that one of the common mistakes I see is especially with technical people, technical people on the other side, on, on the client side, love to show how smart they are. So they're going to they're gonna dig out some question that goes about five levels too deep that says, well, does, does, does the frim-fram oscillate with the uh, doohickey? And that can lead to a 20-minute conversation when the, and, and forgive me for saying this, but I call them propeller heads, when the propeller heads go off and, and talk to each other about that. And the decision makers are starting to get impatient. So it's all about rehearsal, practice, and planning. That you really hit the key for me is, is that no matter who is in there, it's they've got to be carefully chosen based on their input. But you have to have a leader, someone who decides yeah. who talks, when, and why, and and someone to ably facilitate the discussion. Because the last thing you need when you've been given. 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and 15, is to spend 25 minutes off on a tangent that doesn't have anything to do with a decision. Absolutely. You definitely have to have a leader, but there's also a very important point 
to keep in mind, and, and I'll share with you a quick story to illustrate this. When I wrote my book, I interviewed a lot of senior-level people to ask them about presentations that they had been on the receiving end of to see what worked and what didn't work. And one of my clients is a very large high-tech company on the West Coast that was interviewing companies to be their new PR firm. One PR firm did such a great job in the team presentation that the last person was barely outside the door when the CEO turned to my friend and said, hire them. So the, the presentation went perfectly, and that made all the difference in the world. But that's not the point of my story. I also interviewed the leader of that team later, and what my client didn't know is that the team leader who had originally been scheduled to be the team leader got called out on a family emergency the day before. And they were able to step up to the plate without him and without the client even realizing and not miss a beat. So the point of my story is you have to prepare so well that everybody is able to step up when necessary. Because one of the issues is, is if you've got three or four people flying in from different parts of the country, what if somebody misses a flight? So you've got to be able to, to be able to react and you've got to be able to be flexible. Yeah, that's great stuff, Jack. Thanks for joining us here in the business locker room. Absolutely fantastic material. So much more to cover, folks. And I can promise you that in future shows, we'll dive in a lot deeper on presentation skills and how to get better as a salesperson in this particular area of selling skills because it's critical. But the problem is for most salespeople, they like to take a lead, jump into the sales presentation side, and they skip all of the things that you heard Jack talk about. You, you've really got to do the preparation, the inside-out thinking, and so forth. Jack, thanks for joining us. Great to have you on board. Thank you, Kelly. It's been my pleasure. That's Jack Malcolm. Find him on uh, online, at Jack Malcolm on Twitter. And folks, grab the book, Strategic Sales Presentations. Loved his message. Loved what he was talking about there. You've got to talk about profits and problems and process long before you talk about product. Really makes a difference in how that presentation is going to go. Well, the, the show, as it always does, flies by, and yet we had a tremendous amount of content. Thanks to Miles Austin. What uh, great stuff about Skype. And if you look back over the history of what we've done, uh, we've looked at some really, really fantastic things, including Evernote a couple of weeks ago, a tool that I've begun to use and want to follow up with at some point. We talked about Rival IQ, and now we're talking about Skype. So the tools are new. They're old. They're all over the board. But as always in the X's and O's segment, we find out something that you can use that's going to make your business better. Make sure you find fillthefunnel.com. And go online and look at the blog post from Miles today. Download the ebook, Skype Jumpstart Guide for Business. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of our show. Thanks to Jack Malcolm for, for dropping in and joining us as well. Next week, we've got Sean Copeland. Sean Copeland will join us to talk about his brand new book, The Priority Promise. And we'll talk about entrepreneurship and starting businesses from a lot of different perspectives. A uh, special thanks to our engineer, Michael Surgit. He always does what's necessary to make us sound good. And our executive producer, Brandy Jackson. Been great having you here in the Business Locker Room. Make sure you find us at bizlockerroom.com. We'll see you next week right here in the Business Locker Room.
Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of The Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.